Hello, 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 and welcome in to another edition of Just Saying Sports, episode number 49. We're getting close to 50 there, Sean. Uh, my name's Jake Adnick here with Sean Dwyer. We're getting pretty old here on this podcast, running in on number 50. What do you feel about that, Sean? It's a lot of time we've been talking on the phone. <laughs> right? It's a lot, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of sports talk. I, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to do for it. I mean, NBA drafts coming up and everything, but still exciting. I don't know, you know, a year and a half or whatever it is now ago or a year and a couple months that we started this podcast. Hey man, we're still moving and we hope you guys all still enjoy listening. Uh, we gave you a midweek episode earlier this week and back here on Sunday to talk about some major league baseball. We've taken a bit of a hiatus from it. Uh, the season's getting going. Everybody's starting to shake out. People are starting to separate and we're getting into the middle of May. So this is when baseball starts to turn on its heat and start to look really good. Uh, but we're, we're not going to dive too far into the season. We're going to do this farm system breakdowns for you lovely listeners of ours. Today, we are going to dive into the Tampa Bay Rays organization. The first one of the 2019 MLB season for just saying sports. I know baseball getting kicked up gets your jimmies all in a bunch, doesn't it, Sean? Yeah, baseball season is pretty much going to be the center of attention for me now with uh, NBA playoffs going to be wrapped up here soon. It's going to be a whole lot of baseball to watch and break down. I mean, that, that's the one thing I was thinking about it earlier. You know, summertime is just dominated by baseball. And I, I was thinking, you know, people ask about college basketball, college football, what's better. And I think a lot of people like college football more because it is such a prolonged wait after everything else cuts off besides baseball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to have that over the summer. Baseball is the summertime sport. And we're, we're going to move into summer with it. I mean, it's, I think, 72 degrees outside in Traverse City right now. I'm sure it's even nicer down in Indianapolis. But, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for it. I know you are. Uh, there's minor league baseball for you to watch. I mean, there's a new team up here for me to watch. So there'll be plenty of it filled up. But, but let's start filling this episode up with some MLB talk. I mean. Tampa Bay Rays have at least one of the best farm team names in the Montgomery Biscuits, but Sean, do they have one of the best farm systems in the MLB? I think that they do. I think that their farm system is really, really setting them up for a good future. You know, going to go through our standard breakdown of where their prospects are position-wise. 13 pitchers, nine infielders, which is second baseman, shortstop, third base, six outfielders and one catcher, one first baseman. So they're going to have to probably look outside the organization for a catcher and a first baseman if their guys that they have at those positions don't really work out. But the one first baseman that they do have in their system is already with the MLB team. We'll get into him later. But right now I think the only position that they're going to have to really go out and address in free agency would be catcher. I think that the guy that they have, which you'll, you'll touch on later, he might be there in a couple of years. He's not really a stopgap right now. But I think that their system is full, and it's going to be have a lot of talent that's going to come in in the 2021-2022 cycles. I think that's when a lot of these guys are going to be on the major league roster. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a little bit different than what we've done before because you're kind of – you kind of mentioned this to me before. You're kind of looking way into the future with these guys. I mean – you obviously, you know, this isn't the Atlanta Braves or anything where you're talking one year down the road. And it's going to be a couple of years before these guys develop. But, 
I mean, is, is that a good thing? Or do you think that they might end up trading away some of these pieces to be better sooner? I think that they might do a little bit of both. I think they're going to play the waiting game. And if they get to a point where they're in a position to make a playoff run sooner than they expect, they might sell off a piece or two, nothing big. I don't think they're going to leverage their future for a giant run in a loaded American league, but I think that they might make a run if things play out that way, but I don't see it happening. And the reason that we are talking further down the line is Right now, their major league roster is kind of set um, with position players. You know, they only got one guy that's a starter right now who's got a contract expiring at the end of the season. That's a guy that we're both familiar with, Avisail Garcia. Started in the Tiger system. Yep. And then going into 2020, they're going to be losing Mike Zanino if he is still with the team. So they're only going to have two guys coming off the books. Um, at the end of the next two seasons. And then they only have two guys really signed long-term too. And that's Blake Snell through 2023. And they just signed a prospect that didn't have a whole lot of MLB experience, but they locked him down and kind of a move that the Cardinals pulled with Paul DeJong. And that's Brandon Lowe, second baseman is signed through with options and extensions opportunities in the contract through 2026. So he is the second baseman or an infielder of the future for Tampa Bay. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's their only guy, though. Yeah, that's the only guy they have signed that long, long term, besides, yeah. Blake, besides Blake Snell. Yeah, at, and and pitcher. He's a pitcher. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not a position player. That's, that's, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're dime a dozen when it comes to pitcher, but there, there's going to be plenty more prospects coming out that are worthy of major league looks at pitcher than they, they do in the middle infield. Yeah, and then just one more note on that, their contract situation is they – it's a good thing and a bad thing. They don't have a lot of guys coming off the books, but they don't have a lot of guys signed long-term. So they have the flexibility to move these prospects at the rate that they are willing to push them. They don't need to push the development of a guy to get him ready for the big leagues in a couple months. They have time to wait a year or two because they have guys who are still arbitration eligible, who they can non-tender if a guy proves himself he's worthy. They can wait and see on some other guys. They have flexibility with their roster. And I think that's something that a lot of teams don't have. And I, as we both know, Tampa Bay is not a big spender when it comes to free agency. They don't make a lot of big splash signings. There are a lot of prospect and developmental pieces on their team right now. And they trade them and they've worked some masterful trades over the years. I think that might be something that comes around when some of these prospects get too old and they're not going to want monster deals and they might just reload the farm system then after this run. Well, and then I, I do want to ask you, I mean, this, this could be just a simple yes or no question from you, but I mean, before we get into talking about each of these prospects, just as a whole, do you think that the farm system is enough to fill as Tampa Bay needs, you know, as they drop a guy or as they need somebody to come up, do you think that their farm system will be able to kind of filter in over the next couple of years before they're all ready? I think they will at every position outside of catcher. They have enough pitching depth in their organization to fold the bullpen as need be. They have outfielders in the system to fill that outfield out with prospects. If they have some injuries, same with the infield. First base, you can always slide an outfielder or another middle infielder to the first base. We've seen it with other organizations do that with prospects before. So I'm not really worried about that. But catcher is kind of a specialized position, as you know, when it comes to baseball. 
So I think they might need to look at that when that Zanino contract runs out. If they don't want to extend him, if the number gets too high, they might go bargain shopping until they have a replacement ready in the system. Yeah, and I mean, we can get into these uh, into these prospects now here. I guess we'll, we'll start off. Who do you think is the top prospect in their system? I think it is Wander Franco, who is a shortstop. MLB Pipeline has him ranked number one in their system. I agree. He's a switch hitter. He's a young, young, young player. I think he's only 18, 19 this season. He's number 12 in MLB's top 100. He tore up rookie ball last year, hitting 351, had a, over a 1,000 OPS. He is His hit tool and his defense have been labeled future all-star caliber. He's had a slow – he started off amazing in 2019. He's cooled off a little bit, but he's still hitting very well for – I think he's at Bowling Green um, in the minors. He's the top prospect in – race system he might eventually reach number one in the entire major leagues all right well i know there's a couple pitchers who are sitting there and brent honeywell and brendan mckay uh which one of these guys do you think is going to be able to make a a bigger impact come you know 2021 i think it's going to be brent honeywell he missed all of 2018 with tommy john surgery he has a five different pitch mix that's been reported with four of them being above average graded out um, with only his curveball, and that's in the one that's not above average, and it's listed as average or serviceable for major league uh, starter. But he's mixes his pitches very well and gets a good amount of uh, swings and misses, is what I've read on him, what I've seen on some tape. Brandon McKay, if I had to put him in a one sentence definition, it would be a young American version of Shohei Otani. He is a dominant pitcher who can also hit the ball. The only thing that he lacks in comparison to Otani is he doesn't have a positional future in the field where Otani can play outfield. McKay is going to be a DH only if he ever does get a chance to hit in the majors. Yeah, or, well, unless he goes, obviously, uh, over somewhere in the National League uh, eventually, but then that's obviously not going to happen in the system that he's in. Uh, But who knows what can happen? Like I said, you, you said they might even try to reload with what couple of these guys, especially pitchers move pretty quickly through the major league farm system uh, back and forth between teams. So next we got a outfielder, Jesus Sanchez. Yes, he is a great defensive player above average on defense. He is coming along with his hit tool. He started out great hitting for the race system. He's kind of cooled off in 2018, 2019. He's still hitting around 282, though. So it's not terrible. It's not just it's lower than where he was, but it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. He is probably my second favorite prospect in the Rays organization, is Jesus Sanchez. And I can't wait to see him play in the majors. He's just an exciting player. All right. Who you got next for us? Next is Matthew. I'm probably going to say his last name wrong. Liberatore. Liberatore. He is a left-handed pitcher who fell to them at 16 in the draft. He was ranked as the fourth overall player by MLB going into the draft, and he fell to 16. He is a younger pitcher, young for his uh, class. He has three above great, above average pitches, and he comes at you with a fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. You don't really see a lot of guys throwing both curveball and slider, so he's kind of unique in that sense. All right. Well, I, I do want to add in, you know, you talk, we talked about them needing a catcher, and they have only the one in their system, and I wanted to talk about them, you know, with my catching pedigree. 
how long I was behind the plate. I, you know, I get really excited about good catchers. And from what I've read on this guy, you know, you, you sent me over some stuff. One, he's a very good defensive catcher, but that's just surprisingly, that's kind of surprising because he's not a natural catcher. He's, he moved over from third base when he got into the minor leagues, uh, but he's had a, a longer extended time in the minors already. So he's going to be getting closer and closer uh, into the majors. I think, you know, taking that spot once they lose their catcher in 2020, uh, but his, he's got a bat. Uh, he, he, he hits for power. He hits, he's got over 300 career average in the minors and uh, he, he even won home run derbies back in the, in the minors. You don't get an offensive catcher who's hits for power very often, and I think they've got to be pretty excited about that, especially with him making the transition and still performing very well defensively behind the plate. Yep, moving on in the top ten in their system, we're going to go next to Vidal Bruhan. He is a second baseman, and he his first season in the minors last was last season in 2018, where he hit 320 with 41 extra base hits led the minors in runs scored, and was second in steals. He had a great, great season in rookie ball, and there's really not much more to go on with him. So we're going to have to wait and see more of him in 2019. But he had a great season to start with. The guy that I mentioned, the guy I'm going to mention next, was the guy who is that first base prospect. That's Nate Lowe. He's already in the majors. He's been bounced up and down a few times. He is probably one of their most MLB-ready prospects that – is going to make a contribution this season. Um, next on the list is Shane Baz. is a right-handed pitcher. He came over in the trade, the Chris Archer trade last season, um, which is something I'm going to mention later. It really helped the Rays in their future. He is a former top 15 pick and from the 2017 draft, and he is not. He's had one start in the minors this season. Had a couple last season with Pittsburgh. He's another guy that's going to have to be more of a wait and see what he has, but he has a good future. All right. Well, we got one more to round out the top 10. Yep. Number 10 is Lucius Fox. He was traded from San Francisco to Tampa Bay in the Matt Moore deal. He is a speedy switch hitter. He is reported to be very good defensively. And I think that that's something that could very well help him move through the system fast as if he can maintain a little bit of a hit tool and play good defense. I'm just going to hit some rapid fire names now through the rest of the list I have here. 11 is Shane McClanahan from South Florida. He had Tommy John in college. Left-handed pitcher. Left-handed pitcher, sorry. He was had a very high strikeouts per nine innings, but it also came with a high walks per innings. Um, Nick Solak was a drafted by the Yankees. He has been labeled as one of the best pure hitters in Tampa Bay system. He is a he hits for average more than power, and he is very selectively aggressive. I don't know what that means, um, <laughs> but I guess he just picks his pitch as well and makes contact. And he, I guess that's what you do when you hit for average. Josh Lowe comes in at number fifteen. He's a guy that I've kept an eye on for a few years now. Um, number sixteen in their system is Nick Schnell. He is from Indianapolis. I did not know that. I wish I would have known that last season. I could have went and tried to find him. He needs to fill out, get bigger. He is a good defender. He has a good left-handed swing. He needs to work on his power. He's mostly gap power right now. And to fill out the list of prospects to talk about is Anthony Banda, as a name that some people might recognize. He was a very highly ranked prospect in Milwaukee system. He was traded to Arizona and was highly ranked. 
and things have not gone well for him since. He's been moved to Tampa Bay and had a little bit of revival, but he's been hurt a lot. And this is kind of his last stand is with Tampa Bay. And if he figures it out, he has tools to be a good pitcher. It's just he has to figure it out. Now that we've talked about all these guys, we got to round up with a few questions. Uh, which one of these youngins or which couple of these youngins do you think, you know, have a spot on this year's roster? Um, as we mentioned, it's Nate Lowe, the first baseman. And if I had to pick one other guy from this list, it would be Nick Solak, the second baseman, who can also play outfielder. I think that position versatility is what puts him above some of the other guys on this list. He can play multiple positions. I think that'll help him if some injuries pop up and they need a guy to make an impact. And with him being labeled as the best pure hitter in the system, I'm sure they're not too uh, skittish on bringing him up and seeing what he can do. No, I think if you have a guy who's labeled as one of the best pure hitters, if you get him enough at bats, he's going to figure it out. And I think that all he needs is experience in the majors and he should be at least replacement level for them if they need him in a bind. All right. Now, another big question we always ask here on these farm system breakdowns. When do you think Tampa Bay will be a contender once again? I, I don't know, division, you know, league, World Series. Is, is there anything in the near future for these guys? I would say no. Um, having to compete right now with some loaded Boston teams, some loaded Yankees teams, they are leading the division right now, which is to be noted. They have had a very great start to the season, Tampa Bay has. And I think that they might not be able to hold it over a full season. But being in a division with Boston and New York is bad right now, but it could be good for later years. As Boston and New York, they've really sold off their farm system for a win-now mentality, which could leave them vulnerable in the future years. If you don't have that talent coming up to replace what you lose, you're not going to have as strong of a team. And I think Tampa Bay, having these guys who aren't ready now but will be ready later, that's going to help them when that division is kind of open in later years. All right. So th- think you had one more little thing for us in, in our show, right? Yes. For the last note on Tampa Bay, um, it's a trade that I have deemed the great swindle of Pittsburgh. Um, last season, the pirates traded for Chris Archer from Tampa Bay. At the time they traded two guys who were kind of, like quad A players. They were guys who had it in the minors, but weren't really putting it together in the majors and a player to be named later. Well, the two guys that they traded were Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow. They're both former number one prospects for Pittsburgh. They're both former top 25 prospects in baseball. And all they have done since coming to Tampa Bay is produce. Uh, Glasnow right now is six and one with a one eight six ERA and a .91 whip. Um, he's injured right now, but that's an amazing start for a guy who had not had a, any stretch of a career like that whatsoever. Austin Meadows, as of when I wrote these notes, was hitting 360 with an astronomical 1.148 OPS, which is crazy high. That's like Mike and, Trout high. Yeah. And he has eight home runs, 22 RBIs, and he has produced for them a lot. And the player to be named later was a guy that we touched on earlier, Shane Bass. He was a former – uh, high first-round pick from that couple drafts ago with five good pitches. I think that Tampa Bay made out like gangbusters in this trade with Critch Archer never really putting it together last season in P- Pittsburgh to help them on a playoff run. 
He's been suspended once this season already, so it looks like Pittsburgh might have given up way too much in that trade. I mean, that's what you get when you're reaching for wins, right? Exactly. You take that risk, and it hadn't worked out for Pittsburgh, but it's helping Tampa really set their future, get a good core on their roster for the future. Of course, no. We haven't talked about baseball in quite a while, so we're just going to give you a quick update here at the end of the episode so you can kind of stay on track with how the divisions are going. Um, just out of, out in the AL, we'll start off. AL West, I mean, I don't think it's any, to anybody's surprise that uh, the Houston Astros are leading. We just saw them destroy the Tigers this past week. They're obviously no. the best team in the division. In the, cent- in the Central, the Twins are leading right now early in the season over Cleveland. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the year, and we both thought that this was Cleveland's division once again. But I think we both said it might be not until after the All-Star break that it starts to really shake out. Um, then uh, in, the AL, in the AL East, we already talked Tampa Bay's leading the way, which is pretty unheard of at this moment, especially with the teams that Boston and New York has. But I don't think they're going to hold on. Um, you want to take over the NL there, Sean? Yeah, NL East is right now the Phillies are in first place with Harper and all the move, other moves that they made for Segura and a bunch of other guys. They're really paying off the wins right now for them. And the NL Central, I think this is what we both talked about. It really is a big mix of teams with the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals all possibly going to have great seasons. They're all playing really good right now. And I think that division might be the most interesting if it's not the last division I'm going to mention Um, which is the NL West. The Dodgers are leading comfortably right now. But when you look at it, Colorado and Arizona are not far behind them. And actually the second place team in the division last I looked was San Diego coming off that Manny Machado signing. I think that that division might be between the NL Central and the NL West. Those might be the two divisions to pencil in for some late season baseball to watch because I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, see how the fighting Eric Hosmas are doing. Yeah. A fight in Eric Hasmus. Now, just one question. I mean, it seems like a lot of the teams that we just mentioned are the teams that we kind of talked about and picked at the beginning of the year. You know, it seems kind of predictable. I mean, with, with the exception of the Twins and the, the Rays right now leading their divisions. Do you think that's good for baseball? No, I don't think it's good for baseball, but I don't think it's bad for baseball. I think that the attendance drop that you see in baseball, it's across the board. It's not just these contending teams or the bad teams. The contenders have been made more prevalent with all these teams kind of tanking and rebuilding. And it's kind of made parody in baseball. A thing of the past, you don't really see a lot of great pennant races anymore in multiple pennants every year. You'll get one or two a year, but you're not getting four or five out of the six divisions like we've seen in the past. But I think that baseball is – I think it's going to make a comeback. You see the teams that aren't great right now have good farm systems. And the teams that are good right now with young players, they're going to be good once all these prospects get good. I think baseball is going to be in for a renaissance in a couple years where we're going to have multiple teams and multiple divisions competing against each other, and it's going to be fun. I think right now a lot of teams are just rebuilding, and once those teams are done, I think some other ones might enter rebuilds. It's just a cycle, but I think that baseball is a couple years away from being or having from a ton having, of teams. From, from, from it being Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s league. Yes, <laughs> which is something that we have circled for another topic once we get some more data on him. Well, yeah, the data that I have so far is he hits one home run, 
what, 430 and hits yeah. a three-run home run the next time he steps up to the plate. The kid's the real deal. We said this since he was in Lansing, and me and you have talked about him when we were in Michigan State. Yeah, man, he's amazing. Yeah, so uh, that's going to do it for our Tampa Bay Rays farm system breakdown and episode number 49 of Just Saying Sports. Once again, I can't, I can't believe that we're, we're getting this old as a podcast. We're about to go over the hill is what they call it. Uh, but thank you all for joining us for all of our lovely rambles and rants and screaming matches or whatever you want to call them. But it's been a good ride. We will see you for episode 50 next week. As always, thank you for listening. Subscribe, like, share. Give us a little heart and we'll, we'll love you back like we always do. But without further ado, my name is Jake Adnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thanks for listening to Just Saying Sports, and we'll see you next week.